0: MSW Media My- 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 with swearing. Dear the beans, dear beans, dear beans, dear
1: beans.
0: Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, December 29th, 2020. Today, the House passes the bill to increase relief checks from $600 to $2,000 and the House may override Trump's veto of the National Defense Authorization Act. The smartest man in Congress, Rep. Louie Gohmert, is suing Mike Pence to overturn the election on January 6th. Russia tells Alexei Navalny to return home or face prison. Biden builds out his White House digital operation and says he's meeting transition obstruction at the Pentagon and the Office of Management and Budget. Inspectors general seek new support under Biden. And will Republican Dan Patrick in Texas pay up his $1 million bet? Uh, I'm your host, A.G. And I'm
2: Dana Goldberg.
0: Yeah, smartest, (laughs) smartest man in Congress, right?
2: It is really hard. I just don't, (laughs) these people have somehow functioned, I mean, debatably, for how long in their lives? And I'm like, how did you get through this? This this life isn't easy, and somehow these people have lived to see
0: the day. And then Jim Jordan tweeted today, like, it, it wasn't the people who shut down churches. It was the government I'm like, hey, newsflash, flash, dickhead, you're in the government. You <laughs> <I> know. You're <laughs> in it, <laughs> molester protector. Like, what are you uh. even talking about? He's he's in the running for dumbest member with Louis Gohmert, but Louis Gohmert is pretty dumb.
2: Yeah, I mean, I hate to say his name. You know what I mean? His name. What is it when a, a word sounds like what it is?
0: <laughs> Gohmert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like yogurt <laughs> right yeah <laughs> somebody tweeted out that you know when I saw this tweet first happen when I saw this breaking news, they're like, rep Louis Gomert, uh blah blah blah, suing my Pence, and I thought it said rip r i p Louis Gomert, and I went on a roller coaster oh. of emotions for a minute How uh, nice. i won't say I won't say what emotions, but I was really something, and then I was really something else after the- <laughs> <laughs> Um, So today, uh, it's Tuesday, which means uh, uh, Andrew Torres from Opening Arguments and I will be doing our live Q&A. Please join us for that. Download the stereo app on your phone. You can't do it on your computer. You got to do it on your phone. And uh, we've sent out a link. We've tweeted it out. It's kind of everywhere. You can look for it. If you're a patron, we've sent it to your uh, email address. Um, So everybody join us for that. It's a lot of fun. I really like that app. It's really interesting. Um, and then, of course, later in the show today, this this show, we're going to be talking to Frank Figliusi. He's, you know, he's former counterintelligence assistant director of the FBI, and he's got some really great information inside kind of information about what's going on with the Nashville suicide bomber. Mm, and yeah. And then, uh, we, you know, we've got the good news. You and I are going to do the good news coming up. If you have any good news stories, send them to us at DailyBeansPod.com and click contact. And then, of course, if you want to support our new show that's coming out, premieres January 20th, that's going to be about building back the Department of Justice and the intelligence community under Biden after Trump has just left it in tatters. That's going to be kind of the focus of the podcast. It's called Clean Up on Aisle 45. Nice. And you can support that by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash aisle 45 pod. It's a separate Patreon from the Daily Beans, um, just so you know. And being a patron uh, on the, in the new show will get you the ad-free episodes and bonus content. We'll do some bonus content stuff, too. So all of that uh, is out of the way. So let's do the news. Let's do headlines. Let's hit the hot notes. Awesome. Hot notes. Baby, all right. Lead story today. Uh, and I'm still watching my ticker. I'm waiting for that news to come across my desk, you know, on the uh, NDAA veto override. But the bill the 275 to 134 the bill passes to expand direct payments from $600 to $2000 of course this sort of all went down when democrats started at 2000 republicans were like 0 and then the dems were like all right 1200 and they're like 0 and they're like 600 <laughs> and they're like okay uh, <laughs> and, and and you know but also there was a lot of other stuff in that package too it wasn't just the just the relief payments but uh, that, you know, that ended up being 600. And last night, Trump signed the bill. We we were just talking with Mary yesterday. Is he going to sign it? Is he just going to let it fester and make him do it again in the new year? I honestly think he didn't want to have Biden's name go out on those checks. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. He was like, oh, at least it's be my name. Uh, but he tried to blow that up. And now he has put Republicans in the Senate, Um between between a dildo store and a crematorium, because now yeah. they have to decide. They have to say no or yes. To, to. And this is a clean bill. So 130 Republicans in the House voted against this measure. 40 Republicans voted for it. That means it will go to the Senate tomorrow, where Mitch and Republicans, like I said, will be forced to put their names on a no vote, which could jeopardize the Georgia Senate runoff. Though part of me was wondering, right, I wonder if they'll let Loeffler and Purdue vote yes. Knowing that
2: they have it, yeah.
0: So that's what's going on with that. Um, And as now, uh, for the first time in 60 years, the National Defense Authorization Act was not signed into law. It was vetoed by Donald. uh, And the House is also voting today to override that veto. And that will also go to the Senate tomorrow. It is expected to be overridden in the House. uh, And it is widely expected to also be overridden in the Senate. So we'll see how that goes.
2: I think as we're talking, uh, the U.S. House votes to override it. Um, yeah,
0: they, oh, they just did huh yeah as we were talking excellent house overrides veto let's see what the
2: let me click on it to make sure it's not they're just voting and they don't have one yet the house of representatives on monday voted to override the president veto's bill sweep on the sweeping defense known as the national defense authorization act delivering a bipartisan rebuke to the president mm,
0: 322 to 87 Easily surpassing the two-thirds majority. Now, what was interesting is in the in the the stimulus check bill, which is a clean bill, by the way. All it does, everything else stays the same in that in that COVID relief package. It just changes the check from six hundred to two thousand. So it's not like the Democrats are tacking on any pork or anything like that to give the Republicans an excuse to vote no on it. It's just increasing the money going to each American. And that they needed a two thirds vote to pass because they were doing it outside of the rules or something like that. There was a anyway, it's I don't know. I I, it's a long explanation for that. They didn't really go into it um, in in the things that I've read. We were just sort of waiting for that vote to come out. But they needed a two thirds vote. They needed and they just barely got it by one vote. So they must have known they had the votes and and went forward. Yeah. All right. But yeah, they over overrode the veto. So
2: override it. Oh, see, he now, as you said, he's what the only president is the only president in history that, as a group, has lost the 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 the, uh, the a popular vote twice, mm-hmm. and is not reelected, been impeached, and now he's he's been vetoed. His his veto's been overridden.
0: Yeah, huh, good times. So much winning. Small club there. Only one person.
2: Yeah. Um, As we uh, go to uh, Trump's daddy over in Russia, it seems this is from ABC News. Russia's federal penitentiary service on Monday gave the top Kremlin critic Alexei Navalny one day to report to its office or face imprisonment. That's if he comes back to Russia after the deadline. So Navalny is basically right now, he's convalescing in Germany after his August poisoning with a nerve agent. As we know, that was put in his chonies, for those people who speak Spanish, Um, his underwear which he uh, blamed on the Kremlin. So Russian authorities have denied their involvement, of course. The Federal Penitentiary Service issued a statement Monday saying that an article by doctors from Berlin's Cherite Hospital and published in medical journal um, The Lancet indicated that Novani has fully recuperated, which is great. So the prison service demanded that Novani report to its office in line with the terms of a three and a half year suspended sentence he received for 2014 conviction. So if he misses this deadline, he could actually be in prison. That's basically what the statement says. Now his lawyer, uh, Vadim Kobzev, he tweeted that the agency told the politician to show up at his office on Tuesday morning. Now Navalny, who previously said that he planned to return to Russia, Once he fully recovered, scoffed at the demand, saying that the Federal Penitentiary Service's reference to the article in The Lancet amounted to the government accepting he was actually poisoned. Which is one of those things where you're like, "Whoopsie!"
0: Yeah, that thing that didn't happen to you—you've recovered. <laughs>
2: exactly. Uh, that's sort of when Trump or Donald was like uh, something about it's going to be Biden's fault, you know, in 2021 or something. Oh, Biden,
0: the Biden administration. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds like an admission that he won." Okay, cool, cool, cool. So uh, there's a quote basically saying that means. Uh, On on, uh, his his tweet, on Novani's tweet, that means that the state has officially recognized the poisoning. And where is the criminal case then? Want to see some criminal case here? Novani, who fell into a coma while he was aboard a domestic flight from Serbia to Moscow on August twentieth, the plane, as we know, made an emergency landing, and he was transferred from a hospital in Serbia to Berlin, um, to to a hospital in Berlin two days later. Labs in Germany, France, and Sweden, and tests by the organization for the prohibition of chemical weapons established that he was exposed to a soviet error novichok yeah yep. novichok nerve agent so we covered this story in past episodes the russian authorities have insisted that doctors who treated navalny in serbia uh, before he was airlifted to germany found no trace of poison and have challenged the german officials to provide proof of his poisoning <laughs> they refused to open a full-fledged criminal inquiry citing the lack of evidence that Navalny was poisoned <laughs> so the european union now has imposed sanctions on six russian officials And a state research institute, after tests by the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, concluded that Novani had been exposed to Novichok. So Russia has now hit back with its own sanctions against the EU officials. What a fucking mess. Last week, Novoni released the recording of a phone call he said he made to a man he described as an alleged member of a group of officers of the Federal Security Service. We talked about this, that he actually tricked them into admitting the poison. They're part of the FSB who purportedly poisoned him in August and then tried to cover it up. So he made these calls um, basically hours before the investigative group um, Bellingcat released a report alleging that FSB operatives with specialized training in chemical weapons followed him for years and were in close vicinity when he was poisoned. In the call, Nelvaney introduced himself as a security official and beguiled his interlocutor into sharing details of the alleged poisoning operation and acknowledging that he was involved in the processing, quote unquote, of Novani's underwear so that there wouldn't be any traces of poison. The SFB dismissed the recording released by Novani as fake. I right. still do
0: not understand why someone else is in charge of his underwear. <laughs> well Yeah, that's they they put Novichok in the guy's underwear. That's I mean you... as one as you do as like, you do as one does right yeah. yeah all right so here's uh here's the smartest man in the world vice president pence was sued sunday by representative louis gomert republican of texas and several other republicans in a far-fetched bid that appeared to be aimed at overturning president elect joe biden's election Uh, and his winning of that. The lawsuit focuses on Pence's role in the upcoming January 6th meeting of Congress to count states' electoral votes and finalize Biden's victory over President Trump. And typically, vice president's role in presiding over that meeting is ceremonial. It's just a rubber stamp. It's one governed by an 1887 federal law known as the Electoral Count Act. Uh, But the Republican lawsuit, which was filed against Pence in his official capacity as vice president, is asking a federal judge in Texas to strike down that law as unconstitutional the uh, Republican plaintiffs go further and they asked the court Grant Pence the authority on January 6th to effectively appoint whoever the fuck he wants Jesus. <laughs> and overturn Trump's defeat in key battleground states. Election law experts laughed. Quote, the idea that the vice president had a sole authority to determine whether or not to count electoral votes s- submitted by a state or which of competing submissions to count is inconsistent with a proper understanding of the Constitution. <laughs> That's Edward Foley. He's a law professor at The Ohio State University. Among the plaintiffs in the lawsuit are Kelly Ward, who chairs the Arizona Republican Party. They're, they're fucking assholes, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. And formerly served as an Arizona state senator. Ward has amplified claims from Trump and his allies, all of which have been dismissed in court. All, like 65 times Uh, that the 2020 election was subject to widespread fraud and was behind an unsuccessful earlier lawsuit to overturn Biden's win in Arizona. So she's the one who lost her suit in Arizona. The lawsuit targeting the vice president comes as Pence finds himself under increasing pressure from Trump and Trump supporters, even the president himself, to use his statutory role to subvert normal election protocols. Trump last week retweeted a supporter who called on Pence to refuse to certify Biden's win on January 6th. (laughs) The president has also reportedly complained that Pence has not done enough to uh, shit all over the Constitution in my name. Um, That's according to CNN. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. Pence's office didn't uh, respond for comment. Uh, This GOP lawsuit is premised on the dubious notion that the election results in Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin are in doubt. Despite Biden winning each of those states by a decisive margin, the litigants seek to authorize Pence to select slates of electors from those states who would cast votes for Trump instead of Biden. Election law experts said there's a strong possibility the U.S. district judge Jeremy Kernodle <laughs> I like his name. <laughs> it
2: is a good one.
0: He's a Trump appointee. Uh, he would f- probably find that Gomer, Ward, and the other Republican litigants lacked the legal right to sue. No standing, right? Quote, I'm not sure at all sure the court will get even to the merits of this lawsuit, given questions about the plaintiff standing to bring this kind of claim as well as other procedural obstacles, Foley said. So this is going to be one of those lawsuits where it's like, we aren't even going to talk about your dumbass merits. You can't, you aren't even allowed to sue. So that's what's going on with that. Should be pretty interesting. We'll see what happens. We got the runoff on the 5th. We've got, we've got 2.1 million people already voted in Georgia. Yes. It's amazing. And um, we're just going to keep doing phone banking. Uh, and, you know, thanks again to listeners of this program, uh, all together with the other podcasts that we worked with. We raised eighty over $85,000 for Asaf and Mournock, So Fantastic. You know, good job, everybody. So uh, we'll be right back with more headlines. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's A.G., and today's episode of The Daily Beans is brought to you by American Giant. You know, back in the 60s, 95% of our clothing was made in the United States, and only 3% today. Um, And so most of the stuff we buy now is made overseas, so it, it kind of, it's like disposable. It's poorly made. And that's why I think right now is the perfect time to buy clothes made here. At American Giant, they want to make things better by making better things. American Giant has built a 100% USA-based supply chain with strong relationships to factories, workers, and communities at every step in that chain. And it's not the cheapest, but it makes for a better sweatshirt, and it's better for the people and for the planet. It's sustainable, right? They make clothes that are durable, not disposable. Um, They're reclaiming the American tradition of making high-quality clothes that last longer so they don't end up in landfills. I recently got their Women's Blizzard full zip with a weatherproof nylon shell for warmth. It's so perfect for the cold weather. It's warm and snuggly, super comfortable, very stylish really well put together and manufactured here in the usa supporting local communities so check out american giant get the best most high quality clothes on the market get 15 off your first order when you use promo code daily beans at american-giant.com that's 15 off when you use code DailyBeans beans at american-giant.com All right, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, You're up next, DG. What do you got for us? Oh,
2: my goodness. So this is actually just a lot of good stuff about uh, who Biden's putting in different uh, positions for his digital team. Um, Joe Biden on Monday named a slate of digital operatives to his incoming White House staff preparing for an administration that at the least at the outset will conduct most of its public facing business digitally amid the ongoing coronavirus pandemic and to be honest with you ag that's sort of the world we've shifted into so Mm -hmm. i think even when the virus is uh, a little bit more under control i think this is a very good move um especially because (laughs) because biden's not the youngest fella on the block that he could use some people who know how to use some computers
0: yeah i'm 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 only 47 and i'd be like (laughs) i'm gonna need a team
2: (laughs) Definitely. The newly minted staffers named to the White House Office of Digital Strategy include a number of longtime Democratic operatives, many of whom worked for Biden's presidential campaign. The group will be asked not only to recreate the digital operation that helped defeat Donald, but to build out an operation that follows a president who wielded more social media power than any of his predecessors, which is what he's done, unfortunately. So Rob Flaherty, who worked as the digital director of the Biden campaign, he's going to assume the role of director of digital strategy at the White House. Jamie Lopez will work as director of platforms and Brandon Cohen, who previously served as the deputy director of editorial on the Biden campaign, uh, he's going to serve as the platform manager of the digital operation. So they're going to be joined by Jonathan Heber as video director and Karana Magwood as um, a creative director, both of whom held similar roles on the Biden campaign as he was running. Biden's digital team is expected to focus on many of the same tactics and help the former vice president's campaign, including working directly with digital content creators and influencers to expand the administration's reach. This builds on work that was done in the final years of the Obama administration, where the president would routinely appear on platforms outside the normal venues for the commander-in-chief. And I think as we're learning through like AOC and a lot of people that like TikTok and those uh, streaming things are going to be a good way to reach the younger Mm -hmm. generation. Um, So there's a host of other digital operatives uh, that are going to fill out this Office of Digital Strategy. We got Abby Pfizer as designer, Olivia Reisner as the traveling content director. We got Rebecca Rankovic and Christian as the deputy directors of digital strategy and Cameron Trimble as the director of digital engagement all worked on Biden's campaign. And uh, Biden said today, after being briefed on foreign policy, that he's facing considerable roadblocks to transition, especially from Trump allies in the Pentagon and the Office of Management and Budget. So honestly, I don't think uh, Biden's going to be silent about these issues. He's clearly frustrated with the interference from outgoing (laughs) loser. And I think he's going to start be getting more and more vocal about it.
0: Yeah, this is kind of an interesting signal, right? Because everyone's like, oh, he's going to be for unity and he's just going to ignore all that stuff and be super... Super kind, but he was kind of pissed today in yeah. his public remarks. He's like, yeah, I'm facing roadblocks in the middle of a deadly pandemic from the assholes at the Pentagon, basically. Yeah, and we've seen,
2: when Joe's when Joe gets fired up, he's got a bite to him. And I'm not saying it in a bad way. I'm saying that, you know, everyone says, Sleepy Joe this, and Joe's kind of boring. And some people are saying that. I'm actually really enjoying the calmness. <laughs> I don't know about anyone else. Um, but, we, I mean, he is up against a wall. He's got a bite. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if he's in the debate being like, would you shut up, man? <laughs> like, we've seen
0: it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shut up, man. Reminded me of the Bernie moment. He's like, tired about your damn emails. You know, it's like, just shut up. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and from NPR, this is going to be interesting going forward. And and this is one of those things that the new show, right? Uh, uh, and by the way, we're still doing the Daily Beans. We're still doing the Daily News. But the new show, Clean Up on all 45, is going to focus on stuff like this. There, From NPR, federal watchdogs, the inspectors general who guard against fraud, foresee plenty of work to keep them busy next year. From more than 100 investigations related to the coronavirus pandemic, to new probes over misuse of the nearly $3.5 trillion in stimulus money, especially that PPP loan. That was, I'm just so angry about some of the people who got money from that. Um, the federal government's 75 inspectors general, as they're known, are reeling from chaos during the Trump era, including firings and pressure campaigns from the White House and its allies. And in response, the Council of the Inspectors General of Integrity and Efficiency is asking lawmakers for greater job protections in the year ahead. And I love this. Our job, we know, has never been more important and more significant, more challenging than it is right now. That's Michael Horowitz, the inspector general at the Justice Department. He also leads a government-wide group related to pandemic oversight. In 2020, the administration fired two of their brethren, Michael Atkinson, the inspector general for the intelligence community. That's the ICIG. We talked about him a lot. He lost his job after he forwarded that whistleblower complaint to Congress that got Trump impeached. And Steve Linick, we spoke about him, the inspector general for the State Department, was dismissed after he identified retaliation against career public servants. And he was also kind of looking into that arms deal to Saudi Arabia that got the end run around Congress, that little thing, whatever, you know, no biggie. And third, Glenn Fine had served as the acting inspector general in the Defense Department for four years. Fine was known for hard-hitting investigations during his years in government. He quit weeks after he was demoted and effectively removed from leading the pandemic oversight effort by Trump, which you know was he he was good he was appointed there and Trump kind of demoted him and drove him out. Uh, he was the one who was going to be looking at all that pandemic money going out from Mnuchin and. And the PPP and the Transportation Department. Authorities moved to replace a longtime career official with a political appointee from another agency there. Democrats in Congress asked whether that move was intended to thwart a probe into whether the Transportation Secretary, Mitch McConnell's wife, Elaine Chao, was directing money to Kentucky to help her husband. Yes, she was.
2: She was. (laughs) <laughs> Allison
0: Lerner, the inspector general at the National Science Foundation, was the lead council of inspectors general starting next month. Uh, she will lead the council of inspectors general starting next month. She and other watchdogs are asking Congress to update the law and require the president or agency head to explain in more detail the reasons for firing an inspector general. Senator Maggie Hassan, Democrat from New Hampshire, is co sponsoring that bill. Hassan said there's bipartisan agreement that inspectors general must be protected from political pressure. To start in January, there are at least 12 vacancies in the watchdog ranks posts at the Pentagon central intelligence agency haven't been filled with Senate confirmed watchdogs since the Obama administration. So that's what's going on with inspectors general. I
2: love this next story. This actually brings me a great amount of <laughs> it's so joy. so great.
0: This is from the Houston.
2: It's really is. It's, it's, it's just one of those times where you're like, you started this, like put your money where your mouth
0: is. I just love that Maddow followed this and, and amplified it. It was right? just so wonderful. I
2: know. So this actually comes from the Houston Chronicle via Rachel Maddow. So after Donald Trump lost his re-election bid, Republicans settled on a predictable strategy. We're just going to tell the public there was widespread voter fraud. The problem is is, uh, they need some proof. That's what comes after that, Um, because the courts aren't just going to be like, all right, I believe you. So while that may have seemed like a straightforward task, producing this evidence of a systemic problem that does not exist is quite a bit tougher than it sounds. So to that end, I think you all remember uh, Texas Lieutenant uh, Governor Dan Patrick announced seven weeks ago that he'd be willing to pay up to a million dollars as a reward to those who could produce proof of fraud. Now, at the onset, this appeared to be unwise because it just did as we discussed uh previously the texas republican was effectively arguing that he and his party assumed that there would be widespread voter fraud but they couldn't prove it so he hoped financial rewards would produce evidence republicans could find on their own yeah well you know there's a thousand dollar reward for any tips helping me find blah 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 and then there's eighty five thousand people calling in and being like i saw the dog on the corner (laughs) of fairfax and (laughs) beverly yeah so, Patrick uh, basically at this point, he's telling the public, We can't back up our points, so I'm going to pay you to help us. Oy. So, now this is what's great. So, there's a related problem. Patrick's counterpart in Pennsylvania has uncovered voter fraud, like real world voter fraud evidence, but it's of Trump voters committing fraud. Now, of course, he wants the Texan to pay up. He wants Patrick to pay that million dollars. The landscape. Has to be discouraging for those inclined to believe baseless Republicans' conspiracy theories about the election. That's what they're trying to do. So, for all the hysterical rhetoric, only a handful of legitimate allegations have been raised, and some involve Republicans casting illegal ballots for Trump on behalf mm-hmm. of dead relatives. We covered yep. that story a few episodes <laughs> yeah. ago. So, in fact, this is exactly what Fetterman found in Pennsylvania. So, which is why the Democratic lieutenant governor wants Stan Patrick to pay the reward. He didn't say it had to be Democratic, mm-hmm. you know, voter fraud. He just said voter fraud. And Fetterman has actually vowed to donate proceeds to the local food banks if he actually does pay up which he won't, but Fetterman explained to the Chronicle that he's pushing the issue in part to discredit baseless Republican smears against the elections. Yeah. So, and he says, and I quote, while it's undoubtedly and undeniably hilarious, these cases involve <laughs> Trump voters and their dead mothers. You all remember Elizabeth, right? It's irrelevant because in documents, how truly rare voter fraud is and how impossible it is to truly pull it off. So, for his part, a spokesman for Patrick replied, it's not clear why Lieutenant Vetterman continues on this topic since Democrats don't believe in voter fraud unless it's the oh, Russians. Okay. <laughs>
0: okay. I'm not going to pay you because you don't believe in what you found to be true.
2: Oh my goodness. Mm it's an unfortunate response for one thing democrats quote don't we don't believe in systemic voter fraud because system, systemic voter fraud doesn't exist that's why we don't believe in it it's kind of this whole point <laughs> of this whole exercise and for another no one's accused russia of engaging nope. in voter fraud at least not in the united states right so much as the kremlin launched a military intelligence, intelligence operation in the hopes of putting donald trump into power That's just not a belief that's among Democrats. It's also been confirmed that by the Republican-led Senate Intelligence Committee, which documented the fact that Trump's campaign chairman was in direct, frequent, and secret communication with Russian intelligence officers throughout his entire time at the Trump campaign in 2016. So... As officials really ought to know by now, there is a clear bipartisan consensus that Vladimir Putin's government targeted U.S. elections for the express purpose of helping elevate Donald Trump to power. That's why they did it. The evidence has proven that Trump's operation sought Russian assistance, embraced Russian assistance, capitalized on Russian assistance, <laughs> lied about Russian assistance, and then took steps to obstruct the investigation into what, A.G.?
0: Russian assistance?
2: Tell her what she's won, Bob. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. ding, 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 As for why Pennsylvania's <laughs> lieutenant governor continues on this topic, I think it's because Fetterman wants Dan Patrick to honor his commitments. I mean, mm. if you're going to say you're going to pay a million dollars, do it. But then again, when have we actually seen a Republican honor his commitments?
0: Yeah, and let's let's be honest here. You know, I've heard a million times, having hosted a, a podcast about the Mueller investigation, Republicans calling it a fishing expedition, right? It's a fishing expedition. But isn't offering a million dollars for proof of voter fraud a fishing expedition?
2: (laughs) Like, isn't that... Uh, That sounds like it.
0: Literally what that... Not literally, because you don't get fish in the end. But, you know.
2: It's actually a big fish story. Where you're like, I caught this fish. It was five feet. I'm like, it was a guppy.
0: (laughs) It was you voted for your dead mom, Republican. Stand down. (laughs) Uh, Next up from David Ignatius at the Washington Post. This blows my mind. It's been discussed as recently as last week inside the Trump White House to replace FBI director Christopher Wray with Kosh Patel. Kosh Patel. That's the former Devin Nunes aide. That guy. Uh, Quote, here's from the Post here. Government officials fear that if violence spreads, Trump could invoke the Insurrection Act to mobilize the military. Then Trump might use, quote, military capabilities, unquote, to rerun the November 3rd election in swing states, as suggested by Mike Flynn, Trump's former national security advisor. Trump, quote, could take military capabilities and he could place them in those states and basically rerun an election. Flynn said to Newsmax in a December 17th interview. Now, the Pentagon would be the locus of any such action, and some unusual recent moves suggest pro-Trump officials might be mobilizing to secure levers of power. Kosh Patel, chief of staff uh, to acting defense secretary Chris Miller, returned home abruptly after an Asia trip in early December, according to Fox News correspondent Jennifer Griffin. Patel didn't explain, but in mid-December, Trump discussed with colleagues the possibility that Patel might replace Christopher Wray as FBI director according to one official. Now, Ray remains in his job. Uh, If you remember, we talked about the fact that uh, the people at the FBI had written to both Trump and Biden saying, please keep Ray in his job. And Biden has said, if Ray is there when I get there, I'll keep him in the job. Um, But that that they even discussed putting Kosh Patel in charge of the FBI just blows my (laughs) fucking mind. (laughs) Uh, All right. Um, We'll be right back with... um, Frank Fagaluzzi. We're going to discuss the Nashville suicide bomber. And then Dana and I will be back with the good news. Stay with us. Hey, everybody. It's AG, and this helping of the Daily Beans is brought to you by Fight Camp. This is the coolest workout. It can be pretty tough, stuff, like, hard to stay in shape right now. All the gyms are closed. uh, It's very cold outside, so it's hard to get a good workout while you're stuck at home. But I get bored with the same workouts easily, so I'm looking for new routines, and that is why I highly recommend you try out Fight Camp. Fight Camp is an at-home boxing and bodyweight workout taught by real fighters, and it's made for all levels of people in their fitness, from seasoned fighters to first-time boxers, and kids love it, too. So you get this full body workout. It combines cardio and strength training while developing hand-eye coordination. Fight Camp provides all the gear that you need. You have gloves, wraps, best freestanding punching bag on the market, unique punch tracking sensors that show you real-time progress stats with any iOS device, and the workouts are structured like traditional boxing rounds. It's high-impact interval training. They give interval training of three minutes of high intensity boxing and body weight, and then you get a minute of rest, so it's actually pretty easy to do. You can access over 400 different workouts for all fitness levels and skills, and they have new ones every week, too, so it always stays fresh and you can connect with fight camp on facebook they have four thousand members so you can get support there and enter challenges and have a little competition going so you can watch yourself reach new milestones you can bring that goal crushing mentality to every other part of your life fight camp keeps you engaged focused and in the zones they have endless variety uplifting beats motivating trainers powerful technology all combined to create a uniquely satisfying workout and right now fight camp offers flexible financing as low as zero percent apr and for a limited time offer, you can try Fight Camp for 30 days with their money-back guarantee. Just go to joinfightcamp.com beans. That's right, you can try Fight Camp for 30 days, and if you do not love it, they will refund your money. So train like a fighter and turn your sweat into results. It's so much fun. So to try Fight Camp for 30 days, just go to joinfightcamp.com beans. That's joinfightcamp.com beans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Joining me today is former assistant director of the FBI for counterintelligence, our friend uh, Frank Fraglutzi. Frank, welcome back.
1: Thanks for having me. And uh, I hope you had a reasonably nice holiday.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I, I It was OK, you know, for for 2020, for what it is. Mm hmm. Uh, it wasn't too bad. I hope you all had one uh, a nice holiday as well.
1: Yeah, indeed. And I, I'm, of course, saddened that, that we have to attach caveats to, you know, things like reasonably nice holiday. We, But that's where we are.
0: But yeah, that's what happened. 630 in the morning, local time, uh, a suicide bomber um, set a bomb off uh, in near downtown Nashville. Um, there was a message that was playing from the truck saying, "This this will explode in in fifteen minutes," and it did. And there was also music playing. Um, I think we've since learned that it was the mo- the song "Downtown." Um, by Petula Clark. So there's that. But what are some other details that are now emerging about the suicide bomber in this case?
1: Well, first, I think I, I, I can't even have this discussion without talking about the heroism of six police officers in the city of Nashville who did the right thing, rushed into a high risk situation, took it seriously, because quite frankly, let's let's be realistic about this. Um, An an old beat-up RV that's blasting Petula Clark and telling you to get away um, might not be taken seriously. But they knew what they were doing. They did it right. They saved lives, number one. Number two, the federal response from multiple agencies is to be applauded. The the quick turnaround time of DNA analysis, which is a a real story in itself on, on how exponentially faster um, we've gotten at identifying uh, DNA and how that was done, the story of getting family member DNA for points of comparison to the tissue found at the scene, finding perhaps in the home and in another car evidence of his own DNA, all a great story. But now we're left with the who, the, the the what, why, you know, how did he get his hands on on so much explosives? What kind of explosives? And then the question everybody's asking: Why in God's name did he do it?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what, what? How do we know? Because it, it seems to that that the suicide aspect of it is a point of clarity. How do we know about that?
1: Well, we 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 don't know. This That's interesting you should say that, because I I don't know for a fact that he intended to kill himself, but it's a reasonable assumption that he was in or near that vehicle when it exploded, and it certainly did not seem to be an accidental explosion. He had, the, as you know, the recording had a countdown, literally, to the explosion. So this does look like an attempt to take himself out, as opposed to, thankfully, not killing hundreds of people in a in a crowded downtown rush hour, that he could have chosen to do,
0: mm-hmm. and and I think the some of the other facts that we know is that there was an AT and T communications building nearby, and and it the the blast actually took out quite a bit of infrastructure in the city.
1: Well, it wasn't even I, I, it, let's 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 call it what it is. This wasn't nearby. This was he parked his truck on the curb in front of the building. So, okay. you know, there's been varying accounts of this on social media, many of them wrong. He That truck was parked curbside at the AT&T building. And yes, that that tall AT&T building turns out to be a central communications hub for the region.
0: Now, it's my understanding that his father, I believe, uh, again, th- these are all details I'm hearing from some blue check marks, some not. It seems to be coming out Uh, You know, in very just in piecemeal um, bits here and there. And that's kind of why I wanted to have this clarifying conversation. But I understand his father had cancer and that this guy was an IT guy. And there is some talk about him being... Uh, uh worried about or having concerns conspiracy theory worries about 5G technology is there any do you know anything about that part of the
1: story I I've, I've seen the reporting that you've seen and it, you're right I I think it's it's right to to call this kind of preliminary early but there seems to be something to this um uh, but we got to be careful because it's not coming out of the mouth of of uh official authorities yet and What I've seen is that the father may have worked for Bell South, which later was subsumed by or combined with AT&T. So maybe that's a connection. I, too, have heard that maybe this guy is part of, by the way, many, many people on the fringe on social media and various chat rooms uh, talking about how 5G causes everything from COVID to, uh, you know. Uh, hair loss. I, I and and so yes, it's possible that he was caught up in that. We we need to hear more about that. But this looks much more like a personal beef, perhaps with that AT and T facility or or its kind of technology or a belief that that communications are are bad or technology is bad. Let let's let's not forget the Unabomber. Um, that was the, uh, the, you know the, called a Luddite. He was anti-technology. And so for years we were chasing the Unabomber right? and and there were theories about what's he up to? why is he picking his targets? And it turns out when when the FBI caught him and they said, well, what's this all about, man? I don't like the planes flying over my cabin in Montana mm. And he had you know I, okay, so I and I tell people, Uh, don't try to apply logic to lunacy. This, when they get inside this guy, they're in the guy's house. When they get in his communications, when they do the interviews, they, they may come out and go, you know what? This person was not, not all with it.
0: And that brings me to something else that's happening on social media. There was a New York times headline that was very, went very easy on this gentleman um and there's been some outrage about that uh but uh, there's also been some back and forth about what the definition legally of a terrorist act is and so i wanted to ask you as the you know former assistant director for fbi for counterintelligence why has the fbi not labeled this a terrorist act
1: I'm glad you asked. And um, I'm able to quote the legal definition of terrorism because I've been saying it for the past 24 hours on national television. Um, And I think think this, I call this a teachable moment. I, I think we need to understand what is terrorism and what is not. And so I completely understand that That community has been terrorized and feels a sense of terror, but that does not mean that this is something we can jump out and call terrorism by legal definition. So here's here's what the U.S. government says terrorism is. It's the unlawful use of force or violence against people or property to coerce or intimidate a government or a portion of a civilian community. And here's here's the uh, here's the kicker. So,
0: you, so far we fit, right? So far it
1: fits. Um, No, no, no. So far we don't. No, because okay. no, because where is the I haven't even gotten to the good part yet. But where <laughs> where is the uh, influence a government or portion of a community? to intimidate or coerce.
0: Well, that's just it. If we were speculating, if we were speculating that he was upset with AT&T,
1: so so that's not that's not a government. At, last time I looked, although some would claim differently, AT&T was not a government.
0: Well, no, it says or community, right?
1: Or or community or portion of a community. So to so to intimidate or coerce into into what? And then the next sentence of the definition is To to promote a political or social objective, so you know it's we aren't there yet. We don't know what his objective was, and to be honest with you, having worked these things before, Unabomber, uh, a serial mail bomber in the southeast, uh, when I was a young FBI agent in Atlanta, who the guy killed a federal judge and a civil rights attorney. Um, You catch up with the guy, and he's he's bonkers. So. Um, and, I, and I think it's important to, to know there's a legal definition. They're going to get it right. They're going to be careful about it. And I think it's important to set expectations, because just like in the Las Vegas mass shooting during the outdoor country music concert a few years ago, They, to this day, we don't know what motivated that guy, let alone uh, are we able to affix an ideology to him.
0: Yeah, that's what I was about to ask, So you know, about a couple of different specific instances that would that would mean that since we never knew the motive of the Vegas shooter, that that was not an act of terrorism.
1: Yeah. And I and I we we don't know. And, And so if the guy had lived and we still had no evidence and he clammed up as to why he did it. Um, I want people to understand he would probably be killed um, and and, and executed and receive the death penalty, because I think there's a lot of people out there going, well, if you don't call this terrorism, then he's then it's a slap on the wrist for people who might might do these things. Au contraire. Um, In fact, um, in states that have the the death penalty or even uh, there's still a federal death penalty. But this person might actually be executed. So don't think that because we don't label something terrorism right away that there's no severe penalty. In fact, this person in Nashville, if he were still alive, would almost definitely be charged with use of a weapon of mass destruction, which which could uh, result in a death penalty. So this really this really now is about you know figuring out why. Whether or not there's a there's a group of people who believe similarly some crazy things that this person might believe, and we we need to kind of move away from this terrorism label because the legal definition might never be met. Mm.
0: No, so we know because well we just simply don't know the motive yet in this case, so that's why they're not um, saying either way. But also we know now the Vegas shooting was not um a terrorist attack was the Unabomber a terrorist attack
1: So I, I, the the unibomber was a crazy person um by the way a brilliant crazy person who went to Harvard mm-hmm. at age 16 Ted Kaczynski yeah
0: he was a mathematical genius from my understanding
1: Yeah unbelievable and and we could whole, do a whole episode on why we why it took years and years to catch somebody he was entirely off the grid I mean the, all the usual investigative things you do Hey, uh, who used a credit card where this bomb went off? Who took a who took an airplane here or there? Well, he was completely off the grid, so none of that applied. Um, but he his you could say he had an ideology um, because he was anti technology, and he had a manifesto. And you may remember. What what caught him was the, the the agonizing decision to print his manifesto in national newspapers that caused his brother to recognize his writing. And so oh. so it may be that inside the Nashville bomber's house, we have a manifesto. It may be that he mailed uh days ago his reasons to uh, authorities and that it'll arrive in the mail when Postmaster General DeJoy gets around to it, but we're not there yet.
0: All right. So me, me, yeah. So me, assuming that this guy had an ideology and a manifesto about anti-five G technology or whatever, is preeminently assigning uh, speculative motives to this exactly. to this suicide bombing
1: it's 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 premature don't don't you know as they say to, to medical students sometimes a headache is just a headache sometimes sometimes a suicide bomber is just a suicide bomber
0: yeah yeah and then but like so the do you remember i think it was a couple of years back that that bomber guy had mailed several explosive incendiary devices to media and cnn and things like that i was yeah that's sort of kind of where that crosses the line into terrorism,
1: yeah, because now he he talked and he said, mm-hmm. yeah trump uh, Trump hates these people, these people you know CNN's evil and fake news and obama's evil and and so yeah that that's a that's a that's an ideology that's uh, mm-hmm. that's a political coercion intimidation thing, right They, they mailed the de- uh, He mailed a device to John Brennan to shut him up. <laughs> so that's an objective that's political. Um, or social in nature. Yeah. Mm.
0: Got it. Makes sense. All right. Thanks so much for coming on and explaining this to us. I appreciate your time. Uh, Frank Fuglusi, uh, everyone.
1: Anytime. Take care.
0: Everybody stick around. We'll be right back after this quick break with the good news. Stay with us. Hey everybody. It's AG. The best way to get your day started, right. Or to end a day or both is with an invigorating shower. I like to take long, hot showers, get the steam build up in there. It's absolutely wonderful. I like to sing in there. I sing as loud as possible Uh, And I come up with my best ideas in the shower. And that's why I'm excited to tell you about our new sponsor, Nebbia. They revolutionize your entire shower experience. So it's backed by some of the biggest names in Silicon Valley, including Tim Cook. And it's designed by former Tesla, NASA, and Apple engineers who spent years researching and developing a superior shower experience that, get this, saves water. And it's anything but ordinary. The Nebbia takes your shower to a completely different level. It's like a steam room combined with a spa. It's so relaxing and wonderful. And the Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower is Nebbia's most advanced shower yet, with twice the coverage, half the water usage. So despite using 45% less water, the spray is 81% more powerful than the competition. Nebbia's atomized droplets rinse shampoo and conditioner out of the thickest hair, and it can be easily installed in 15 minutes. If you can change a light bulb, you can install Nebbia by Moen. Nebbia balances functionality with beauty as well. The aesthetics are incredible, and they have four premium finishes. They have white and chrome, spot-resistant nickel, matte black, or black and chrome. And they also offer accessories like shower shelves and shower curtains, which pair perfectly with the stunning design of the shower. And the Nebbia by and Spa Shower starts at just $199. For Daily Beans listeners, we have a deal for you. The first 100 people to use the code Beans at Nebbia.com will get 15% off site wide on all of it. Nebbia rarely does a deal like this, so it's great to jump on right now. So go to Nebbia.com/Beans. That's N-E-B-I-A.com/Beans to check out what they have to offer. Again, the first 100 people to use the code Beans when checking out will get 15% off. Again, that's Nebbia.com/Beans and use the code Beans to save. 15%. Hey everybody, it's time for the good news. Well, Dana, I'm happy. It's good news, confessions, corrections time, honestly. I love this part of the episodes. If they're my favorite. They are. They're the best. And thank you to everyone who sends in these submissions and the photos. I, we absolutely love them. This keeps me going. Do you know? You know what I mean? And so I appreciate that. Everyone, you can send in your good news stories, whether they're personal or political or just you want to say hi or send pictures of your pets or you, you have a confession or you want to do a Friday, Amy's Court, if you have a dispute with a family member <laughs> during these <laughs> lockdown times, uh, you can do all of that. You can send them, or corrections. If I get something wrong, send in a correction and you, you send those to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. So I'll uh, I'll kick us off here with a submission from Anonymous, pronouns she her. My 15-year-old refrigerator was malfunctioning. Milk went sour. Lettuce froze in the bin. That's weird. We priced new ones. A comparable refrigerator would have cost upwards of $3,000. My husband has 24-hour caregivers. No money for a new fridge. Then my wonderful son-in-law found an amazing repairman. He fixed the refrigerator with a hairdryer and a plastic shim for the door. He also gave us some advice. Don't block the vents. I knew that, (laughs) but I didn't follow it. And the colder you turn your freezer, the warmer the refrigerator side will get, really. Total cost, 110 bucks. my Christmas angel in coveralls. That is a nice. great story. So yeah, you can fix a refrigerator if the coils are frozen over with a hairdryer. You just melt that. Uh, make sure that the vent has room to breathe and then kind of sort of balance the the coldness in the, in the freezer and the fridge. Bo- voila. You know, you save some money. So that's awesome. I'm glad that they Love got it. The help that they needed
2: all right this next one good news comes from devin pronounced oh. she and her ag i love that name uh for a female identifying human i just like the name devin i think it's for for girls anyway yeah
0: and it's it's spelled d-e-v-e-n it's it's very yeah. pretty i love, I love it.
2: it um due to covid i've been working from home i normally have a 30 minute commute each way and i work nine 9.5 to, f- to 10 hours a day Due to being home, I have been able to focus on my mental and physical health, which is wonderful. I started going to therapy, oh, and was diagnosed bipolar. I am now on right meds and feeling like a brand new person. Yes, I also started working out in April and have lost 21 pounds so far. Nice. I feel so fortunate to have had this time in the midst of this pandemic. Attaches a picture of my cat, Chooch. 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 What do you think? I think it's Chooch.
0: Yeah, Chooch would be a weird name for a cat
2: well a pussy cat really is it that weird of a name for a cat
0: (laughs) my friend michael (laughs) drag queen extraordinaire absolutely love him uh has a cat named fupa so (laughs) there's there's that but look at this amazing void baby oh so pretty thank you for that photo oh oh gosh next photos okay i keep looking ahead um Next up is from Russell, no pronouns given. Okay, first off, I'm going to be honest here. I have developed a crush on Mary Trump. I get Same. the fact. I get the, yeah, me too. Uh, I get the fact she's related to the orange poopy diaper wearing Adderall addict, but I don't care. Something about Mary's brutal bluntness I find sexy as fuck. Now, my good news. I uh, is that I gave up cigarettes and smoking in general. And I've also saved my mental health, which I have tied to every sick vice I cultivated over my 49 years of life. Thank God for my therapist and therapists everywhere. As a pet offering, I love how they offerings. I give you the awesome 13 year old Terrier Mix Oreo look. Oh, cute. Okay, look.
2: You look. Oh,
0: God loves a Terrier just every time. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that movie is so good it's one of my favorites it's so good uh, thanks right, for we that. got more good news yes we got more good news this comes from daniel pronouns he and him i've been trying to come up with a reason to put this psa into the good news since i've heard another trucker ride in but i have but i have a reason i got a new route At work that cuts my initial commute in half no more burning gas in my plug-in hybrid and i will only have to drive two miles of country road for each load so i got a lot of physical activity getting in and out of the truck like to ask for some kindness from my fellow listeners when they encounter truck drivers on the road. Yes, there are assholes in the rigs, but most of us are just trying to do a job and pay our bills. What can be seen as aggressive driving on our part is often trying to maneuver something five times as long and eight to 12 times as heavy as a personal vehicle. That wiggles in the middle and brakes designed by Rube Goldberg. (laughs) If you find that you have some extra time on their hands these days, please research commercial vehicle brakes and why we need a space cushion. Then, please, for the sake of genuinely not wanting to hurt you, try to give us a little more than six feet when you encounter us on the road. Thank you. For pet tax, I've included my wife's foster fail, Brody. I love foster fails. Aka booty booty butt pants. Uh, <laughs> that's I, thanks for making me say that. I'll do it as often as I need. But that got. Um, but we got when my parents' house caught fire last month. They got booty booty butt pants. Um, so also check your fire insurance coverage. Beanies. Oh goodness. Oh, well, look at him. Got caught fire. Oh my god. I love pits.
0: Booty booty butt pants. Yeah. I, I love all of the extra names that we have for our. Animals. You know, I've got Bruce Willis, B dubs, chicken, turkey face, toad. And then of course there's there's Boobs, Booba, Boobaca, you know, I call them eight million different things. The Captain, <laughs> Captain <laughs> Fat Pants, uh Fat Panther. Like, there's so many <laughs> names. He's got so many names. I just like when I call like I'll just be walking around the house and be like, What's up, Captain Turkey? I don't know why. It's just what it's just what comes out. <laughs> but booty booty butt pants is very cute. Um yes it is. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, next up for Mark, but if the, these photos are killing me. Pronouns he and him. The cuteness is killing me. A few years after my wife and I took in an older Pomeranian whose owner had to move into a nursing home, Chico, from Mr. De Chico, like from the Coneheads, <laughs> is an otherwise sweet and cooperative 14-year-old gentleman except for when he needs to get his meds me too lately he's taken <laughs> to running away from us when he needs to take them so while my wife is chasing him down i have alexa play yackety sax
2: oh my goodness it doesn't help but
0: it adds some levity to the them that's moments. hilarious <laughs> oh my god that's so funny look at that little baby that is fantastic all burritoed up in the blankie very cute
2: so uh, this is an amazing story, and I'm actually really excited that I get to read it. So this is from anonymous, pronoun she and her. Good news. Tonight, for the first time in 12 years, when I was washing my hair, I could smell my shampoo. So now, the backstory is this. I fainted, hit my head on our kitchen tile floor, and I fractured my skull in 2008. This altered my sense of smell and taste. No, A.G., this gets better. When I recovered from the concussion, I couldn't stand eating chocolate, sweets, cakes, or tarts, basically anything sweet. The upside was I was started to crave all sorts of vegetables, like I hated before, like broccoli, asparagus, Brussels sprouts, etc. I've never heard anything like this. Wow. So I've noticed I'm starting to smell things I couldn't, and tonight... I could smell my shampoo. It made me feel so happy. Oh my god. I don't have I know I don't have any pets, but I have attached a couple of photos of me Hobbiton, of me at Hobbiton in New Zealand. If ever you get a chance, I strongly recommend the visit. This just can you imagine? It's sort of like your fall when you're like I've had a shoulder problem for years and now it's fixed. This poor person though. <laughs> doesn't crave sweets anymore and i'm well, sure like well, their parents have been trying to get them to eat vegetables their entire life and she's like if i could
0: get more broccoli asparagus and brussels sprouts that would be great well you know she can smell shampoo today maybe tomorrow it's time for some chocolate cake you don't know oh you never know but oh look God, hobbiton in new zealand This yeah, is it's like so where cute. the little hobbit uh, where lord of the rings was filmed I yeah imagine. very cool thank you for that um that's so cool that you were able to. Sh- I hope it was good smelling shampoo. Um, and not like head. And Could you imagine me.
2: after 12 years, you're like, This is what my hair smells yeah. like? <laughs>
0: Motherfucker, <laughs> fuck no one told me. <laughs> or you have one of those orgasms from the essentials. Remember that? What was the yeah,
2: essentials? The, oh, what was it? It was
0: Sol- uh, fruit. I don't know. I it's know it,
2: it's going to pop into my head.
0: Yeah. Salon essentials or something like that. Oh, yeah.
2: uh, Oh, oh anyway, See, it came in and
0: popped out, did the same it thing. Did, it did. Anyway, they're like in the shower, like, Oh, you know, <laughs> that's probably <laughs> a little too much. Uh, <laughs> Next up from Jordan, pronouns she and her. My almost 91-year-old grandfather is officially on the grid for Christmas this year. He asked for Wi-Fi in his house, specifically so he can creep on his neighbors on the Nextdoor app. And (laughs) (laughs) we also pitched in to pay for a Netflix subscription for him, and I just got it all set up on his TV today after a socially distant lunch together. He is thrilled to be able to watch his favorite shows. And this is just the latest of all his upgrades. A new walk-in bathtub, which I, I want one of those, by the way. Brand new floors in his house. A new car that he still drives around in. Needless to say, even at his age, he is crushing it. We joke that he's going to have to keep little old ladies at bay because he's such a catch. Widower of nine years. I'm so happy that he's living his best life. Photo Tax is one of my favorite pictures of us together on his 90th birthday this past February. He doesn't know what a podcast is, but if he did, I think he would be delighted with you all. Look at him.
2: Oh, look. He looks good. Jordan's adorable, too, but Mm -hmm. Grandpa 91. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. My goodness. Handsome fellow. Thanks for sending that in, Jordan. Appreciate it. I love
2: it. In this red tie. What a handsome guy. He is.
0: <laughs> it's cool. That's rad. Um. Anyway, thank you all for sending in your good news stories and your pictures. I love these. And we'll put them out in the newsletter. So... Uh, If you have any corrections, again, news stories, anything you want to send us or some, you know, a dispute you want settled in Amy's court, send it to us at uh, dailybeanspod.com. Click contact. Anything before we get out of here? No, uh, just a quick note, my show announcement poster's up on the Daily Beans podcast uh,
2: page on Facebook. So there's some information there that you'll know where to go and what to do on New Year's Eve.
0: Yeah, and you're going to love the photo, so definitely take a minute to go check it out. (laughs) 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 I'm super excited about that show. It's going to be fun. Um, we get a laugh in before the end of this shit year. Let's hope mm-hmm. so, yeah. Ooh. All right, everybody, until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been A.G. And I've been D.G. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn, and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.